Listener Production. If you love hearing from eccentric, passionate, and incredibly smart business owners about how they made a million bucks, then you're going to love this inspiring update from past guest and Flow High founder, Cedar Anderson. It's a sticky episode 541 of the 12 year old, award winning Small Business Big Marketing Podcast. And welcome back to your weekly dose of Marketing with a Sting. I'm your host, Timbo Reed. You, infinitely more importantly, are a motivated business owner and you are well and truly ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire that it absolutely deserves to be. And that's exactly why this podcast has existed and succeeded for the past 12 years. So if you love it, hit the subscribe button now on your favourite podcast app and be the cool kid on the block who gets their episodes delivered first. Hey, by the way, that fancy jingle you heard up front, (laughs) interesting. That's the new listener jingle, listener, spelled (laughs) L-I-S-T-N-R, very web.30, or is it web.30? I don't know how they say it. Uh, It's the new name for the Podcast One Network. Basically, listeners are one-stop shop for all your podcasts, your music, radio shows. You still listen to radio shows? Should be listening to podcasts and more. Uh, Basically, if you love audio content, then you will love Listener. You can download it now at the iTunes Store or Google Play or wherever you download apps and get listening. As per usual, team, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Now, Cedar Anderson, he is the inventor of the revolutionary beekeeping slash honey-making contraption called the Flow Hive. And no, you haven't gone mad. I have interviewed him previously and I've got him back because Flow Hive has gone from strength to strength, and I wanted to find out why. Now, basically, Flow Hive is a beehive designed to allow honey to flow simply by turning a tap on. It doesn't have to be opened. No bees are disturbed in the creation of the honey. And I'm no beekeeper, but I'm told it is revolutionary. Quite a disruptor, as our marketing friends would say. I suppose I'm your marketing friend. Now, Cedar first appeared on the show a couple of years ago when he explained, amongst other things, how this third-generation Byron Bay hippie became a multimillionaire and how his crowdfunding campaign not only raised a bucket load of dough but crashed the Indiegogo site multiple times. So you go back and have a listen to that episode if you want to because we're not going to go over old ground. I promise. I just happened to be in Byron Bay last week, and I know how much you guys love updates from some of the amazing founders I've interviewed over the years. So I gave Cedar a buzz, (laughs) oops, bee joke, sorry, and asked if I could pop over to see if business was still flying. Sorry, another bee joke. No more bee jokes, okay? No more dad jokes, I promise. Now, what I love about Cedar is his clear thinking, his absolute passion for what he's doing, and his eccentricity. Just like last time we did the interview in his beekeeping suit closet, provides great audio, I assure you. But unlike last time where Cedar simply walked into the interview, this time he flew in on a paraglider. <laughs> like literally flew, flew to the office on a paraglider. I videoed it and you can see that video over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 541. It's a bit of a lol. I started off by asking Cedar to explain what he flew to work in and why. Well, it's a paraglider, right? But I've been trying to work out a really nice design for an electric propulsion system. So I've been connecting lots of those 2170 batteries together that are now in the Tesla cars. Yeah, right. And then running a a 15 kilowatt electric motor and a 1.3 metre propeller. So that means, like today, I took off from my place and then flew to work and landed uh, right here, as you saw. Once an inventor, always an inventor. It's really uh, a, a bit of a thing where I can't help but invent things, I guess. And, you know, most people in my position would just go out and buy a, a working 
paramotor, I yeah. guess, for $15,000 or whatever and just fly. Whereas I'm like, no, I can do this better, I can do it different. And I spend nights soldering wires and testing propellers and things like that. This is not a new thing for you, is it, Cedar? Because you were a paraglider well before Flow Hive came along. In fact, I remember you telling us in the last time we caught up, you used to fly around the Himalayas for Greenpeace and <laughs> do reconnaissance in dangerous areas and things. So this is not a, it's a hobby. This is something you want to commercialise because Flow Hive is now buzzing along. See what I did there? <laughs> or is it just something you want to pursue as a, as a gift back to all other paragliders? It's really just a passion, right? So from my passion of from when I was 19, I was flying paragliders a lot. And from that, I became a paragliding instructor. And mm. from that, I started teaching some Greenpeace uh, activists how to fly paragliders. And then I started working for Greenpeace doing actions where they'd say, can you be in Brussels on Tuesday? We want you to fly and land on top of a building with all the heads of governments. And I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> Um, I, you know, I won't be able to get a visa in time. They're like, no, we've got it covered. And I'm like, oh. Love it. Okay. I guess I'm coming then. And so there was a whole lot of um, activities I did for Greenpeace that were pretty adventurous. Mm. And it was um, certainly very exciting. One of my favourite was spending a month uh, spotting for illegal fires in the orangutan country in Sumatra. And that was yeah, it was one one big adventure. There's no roads there for a start. You've got to you're, you're up rivers on boats with all your flying machines. You're taking off from the wasteland that they're they're creating the palm oil fields from. It was a, a wonderful thing because those photos that I was taking then got used to actually stop whole countries from using palm oil, hence the devastation that it causes. We're here to talk about the Flow Hive business and how it's progressed since we last quarter 18 months ago. But before we do that, I, I find you intriguing because you grew up in an alternative commune, You're not a hippie commune. What do you call it? I guess it's intentional community. In, right? Intentional community. Most yeah. people would call it a hippie Hi commune, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And we talked about that in the last episode. We won't go over old ground. You are a mad inventor along with your dad. You had an amazing job, clearly, with Greenpeace doing some pretty cool stuff. And then yep. Flowhive came along, which has been a huge success for you. Has it gotten away a little bit of what you particularly love to do? I think between booming business and babies, certainly there's not much time left for flying. So if I'm going to work it in to my day, then flying to work like today is, is a good way to do it. it, it does, the, does a successful business, in your case Flowhive, sometimes frustrate you that you have to be the business guy? Having grown up in such a sort of, in such a free way. Yes, I think that um, autonomy for me is is a real big card, and I resisted everything almost in life that would lock me into doing something. I never really wanted a proper job. Teaching paragliding it was kind of a job, but it was one with a lot of freedom, and it would be different day to day depending on the wind and. Mm. For that reason, it was hard to make uh, a good living out of it. I was living on under 20000 a year doing that. But it was I reckon you'd fun. still do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely uh, having, I guess, the responsibility of not only all of the, the 50 employees and their families here now, but also the 80,000-odd customers around the globe who are really expecting me to keep innovating to keep delivering them things that solve their problems mm -hmm. and so on like that. So it definitely does cross my mind that far out life was great back then, but it's also really great now in a different way and I've had to swallow the um, lack of autonomy pill a little bit and just get on top of what I'm doing and in a way the invention process was a bit like that where Although I have new ideas and the new bright shiny object is something that's easy to focus on and it's fun to focus on and then as soon as you've got a little way down the track just move on to something else. That's, that's the most kind of inspiring space to be in really. Mm -hmm. But there was certainly a stubbornness and a drive that made me want to focus on the flow hive invention and follow it through. And that did mean casting other ideas aside. It did mean even casting the paragliding thing aside. It did mean, I guess, a sacrifice 
to really follow something through to fruition because it's one thing to have an idea, it's another thing to have a prototype, it's another thing to actually do what it takes to get it to market. Was there a moment then in all of that, and the success you had was incredible, we talked last time about this incredible crowdfunding program campaign that you went through and everything that followed, finding a manufacturer, you, you know, all this stuff that was all very new to you. Was there a moment, Cedar, along that journey where you really found yourself frustrated? Because you don't seem like the kind of guy who gets annoyed or angry. You maybe internalise all that, but was there a, a pivotal moment where you've gone, I either have to really pull myself up here and get on with it, or I have to say goodbye to what we're creating? You know, it's funny. I used to say, I think through my early 20s, that I actually really don't feel anger. And it was a surprising thing to say because I remember as a little kid, I was a pretty fiery little kid. I had a typical redhead red, red temper, yeah, and I would, uh, I would arc up. But it went away. And I think a decade went by where I, I hardly even felt anger or you know, mm. intense frustration at all. But through the whole business thing, I think I'm retraining myself to feel those feelings. <laughs> yeah. And certainly they come up to the point where I'm going, why am I being like that? Uh-huh. I sound like I'm reprimanding somebody. This is horrible. I don't want to be that person. Mm-hmm. And although, you know, it's few and far between still, it's certainly not me, that person who's communicating in a frustrated kind of angry way. How do you deal with people? Because all the business owners I speak to, and I've spoken to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of of them over the years now, their greatest frustration is people. Greatest, you know, benefit to the business, but also the greatest liability. Some are good with dealing dealing with them, others aren't. It certainly is the hardest piece of the puzzle in terms of that's what causes the most stress. And the reason being is because we care. Mm. If you didn't care, you could be one of those CEOs who was just ruthless and comes in, all they're interested in is listing the thing for 100 million bucks and, you know, and they're going for that coin, they go in, they fire everybody on their first day, you know. Yeah. But we're human and it's so hard, even if the person isn't a real fit, to finish that and move on and it's actually far easier (laughs) just to stay the same and just even though it's not really working to go on, you know, we've, mm. we've certainly been guilty of that and it's because you don't want to hurt feelings. You don't want, you know, this is somebody's life and somebody's passion and they're trying really hard and so on. So so the, the people puzzle, and it's the old um, easy to hire, hard to fire. Yes. I wouldn't say that. It's actually hard to hire as well. Well, they it, say hire, hire slow, fire quick. They do, but we certainly... Whoever they are. You don't do either of those. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, But we've been blessed with an amazing team of a lot of family and friends and a lot of people from the area who are in our networks. So there's also that strong connection. I mean, some of the people still working with I've known since I was a little kid Hmm. and lived in share houses with them and so on. So there's a a long-lasting relationship there. I suppose that part of that is too, you're a regional business up here in Byron Bay and people are a little bit more relaxed and there's just a different vibe versus the city. The, the opposite of that is you would find it hard to find good people, probably. It can be. I mean, we're lucky we've, we've got amazing talent here just amongst us, but we could certainly do with a few more people. Mm-hmm. And Byron is an interesting place where... There is a lot of people from the city moving in. That the it's transient. It, it is quite transient. People, if, if you're going to draw a card of, hey, we'd love you to become part of our team, do you want to move to Byron? It's probably the place in Australia where that card might have a chance of working. Mm. You know, if you say, do you want to move to Orange? <laughs> What's going to happen? Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> Pay us a million dollars and I will. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, and hello to all my listeners in Orange. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's probably lots, but um, I, I didn't mean to pick on I Orange it. at all. It's I just it. a, a place that's um, um, not in one of the, I guess, trendy um, areas where all yeah. people from the city seem to be flocking to. Yeah, so, so, so we caught up just over 18 months ago. Business was going great. 
give us a bit of an update on where Flo, the Flow Hive business is at today. What are we in February 2021? So like most businesses, when the COVID hit, we had those meetings about how are we going to get through this? How are we going to keep our team? What's going to happen? Start putting contingency plans in place, start crunching the numbers. And then we went, hang on, we're seeing exactly the opposite here. We need to focus on making hives. And lucky for us, we're one of the companies in the, I guess it's the home niche, the gardening, yeah. the, the um, things that people like to do at home. And so what we've seen is, is quite an increase. So we've been busier than ever producing hives. We've got our own factory going full tilt. We've got the, the ones in Brisbane going full tilt. And that combined with um, interruptions in, you know, shipping and logistics and all of that, we're actually working harder than ever mm. at the moment. And it, it got kind of reminiscent of the start where we where we were chasing our tail a lot just to, to get the deliveries. So that's the phase we're in now. And our team is working very hard. It's a sweaty, hot day where they're making hives as fast as mm -hmm. they can. And also, yeah, logistics and our, our management are working really hard and customer support are fielding more questions than usual. So, so it's um, on the, the business level, it's certainly a lot harder. Harder because you're busier. There's yeah. more demand. And yeah. the demand has come from COVID. Because work, everyone's not, no one's travelling. Everyone's spending money on home and yeah. luxury items that, you know, exactly. previously they might have put money into going away on a holiday. And you're benefiting from it. For sure, it's hard. You up fifty percent, hard twenty percent. Yeah, definitely. What? It's harder work, but it's certainly uh, easier to to break that break even point each month. Why is it harder? Just simply because you just got a whole lot. You're just selling a whole lot more, and you just can't keep up with demand because you know yeah, we're back to people and we're chasing our tail with the stock. Like we've just had to say it's not available in the USA right now. We're busy trying to get another container. Containers are stuck on the water. They're not landing. Mm. New ones trying to leave from our factory are, are um, getting stuck and cancelling as well. There's people wanting to put their bees in their hives. This is the time of year where, the, where you're setting up your hives in the Northern Hemisphere and they're going, where's my hive? And we're going, it's coming, it's coming, you know. So all of that gets hard. But in, in terms of, you know, it's great problems to have from a business perspective, where we are, uh, have got almost twice as much interest at the moment. Wow. Are people understanding? I met your lovely customer service manager out there before. She seemed very happy, actually. You know, didn't seem under stress at all. Uh, 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 are your customers generally kind of go, I get it, you know, I want it tomorrow, but I know I can't have it tomorrow. And Well, up until this point, we actually sailed through the majority of that first COVID year quite well we managed it well and we had very few delays but it's kind of catching up with us now where previous to this we didn't have containers just orphaned out at sea waiting mm. we, we didn't have um, those kind of interruptions happening so I've been wondering when it's yeah, going to happen right. but it's happening it's now. happening uh, uh, happening as in you just cannot meet a reasonable time frame for customers and it's and it's actually out of your control it's you out of our control. You can't ring the ship's captain. You can't run a factory for more than 24 hours a day. You can't, you know, there are just things that you can't do. So, so how do you manage that? Do you upfront? Is there communication on your website? Does someone receive an email the instant they buy saying, hey, be cool, we're with you, <laughs> we're working hard? So we've got a, a real dedicated customer support team and they work hard to, to keep everyone happy. And, you know, it's no easy task sometimes. You've got all types of people in the world. A lot of people are very understanding and forgiving when things aren't right. And others, are, you know, are very, very noisy. And, and, you know, it eventually sometimes escalates all the way to me where I'm giving them a call and saying, hey, look, you know, yeah. we're doing our best. Can I, can I just hear all the uh, problems once more, just, you know, yes. make sure they feel heard and try and work with them to make sure that, you know, if it's the, they want replacement parts because the, there's blemishes in the wood or something didn't fit right or whatever it might be. But, um, yeah, sometimes you do, do uh, get those customers that are hard work. I interviewed a fellow years ago now, his name was Jay Bayer, 
in fact, wrote the forward for my book, great marketer out of the States, big on customer experience, and he wrote a book called Hug Your Haters. Ah. And it was all about that, you know, it was like, because yeah. that's where the, the greatest learnings are from those who are annoyed with you. It's great having a pat on the back and getting an email saying, Flow Hive's the best thing since sliced bread. And the with interesting thing is, a better relationship is built if you have a problem that you then resolve. Yes. And, that, and they love you forever. Love you forever. It's so interesting, yeah. that one. And yeah. what's also interesting is escalating to the boss, to the owner, because they feel very much heard then. I used yeah. to, when I was a marketing yeah. manager at Flight Centre years ago, when something got to me, it was, you know, this is an angry person. But then when they hear that, oh, they're talking to someone in a, in a position of management and they just, they just want to be heard, often. I spent an hour on the phone once to a guy who wanted a full refund for his two hives because he didn't get honey in his first season. And he was all of these threats and things in the big um, positions that he had. Yeah. It's like wild. <laughs> anyway, I eventually calmed him down. Um, How? Because you can't, well, just by talking Listen, to him for yeah, that long, yeah. I, I guess I guess he realised that he, would, he couldn't do his usual throw his weight around yeah, and right. get his way. I mean, he can't send beehives back that already have bees in them. <laughs> so what do you do? We gave him some things to sweeten him up a little bit, but we didn't bend over and say, hey, here's a full refund because you didn't get any honey in your first season. Mm. You know, that would be madness as a business model, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're relying Quite an interesting guarantee, but it's probably don't need to offer bees it. and so on, you know. You can have amazing luck with bees and get buckets full of honey in your mm. first season, and sometimes you don't get any. So mm. it's just part of any kind of agricultural pursuit. So, you do, um, so you've had a good couple of years, and now you're really under the pump. What does all, in terms of delivering and being able to keep yep. up with demand, What's that mean for marketing of flow hives? It's an interesting thing, actually. And we're looking at the marketing going, oh, mm. geez, so we sent everyone in the marketing room down to the factory. I mean, mm. what's the point in marketing right now when we can't, <laughs> can't deliver them a hive, right? But um, it's not quite that bad yet. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to catch up. And Does the marketing message change? Because, you know, pre-COVID and pre-all this crazy demand, it's like your marketing message in its simplest form would be buy a flow hive. You know, yeah. it's awesome. Buy two. Buy as many as you can. Buy one for your friends. Yeah. Does the message now change to something else? or Do a Patagonia. Don't buy this Don't flow hive. Buy, that's right. <laughs> you know. Probably backfire. <laughs> Interesting strategy, the old Patagonia. Well, he, he, for those who don't know, what's the guy's name who owns Patagonia? It's Yvonne. Yvonne. He's basically saying, you know, please only buy one of our clothing items if you really, really, really need it. Uh, yeah, you know, exactly. Choose not to. If you need one, if you've got something existing, get it repaired. We'll repair it for you if it's a Patagonia. Yeah. Worst case scenario, buy. Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> it's and pretty cool. They've changed their mission statement to, we're in business to save our home planet. That's incredible. Wow. Is he your hero? He is a bit of a hero. I haven't really, you know, read all his books and done all of that. But he's certainly... His book, um, Let My People Surf. Yeah, Let My People Go Surfing. Yeah. But he does say similar things that I certainly um, say as well. Like, I hate being told what to do and I hate telling people what to do, you know. He's not really a manager of people and mm. I'm not really either. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things where... Um, the founder has the vision and follows it through, but isn't necessarily um, the one that's going to be managing things. And I'm lucky here, I've got a team that's doing more and more so I can fly around the sky on my way to work while, uh, while um, other people are doing the amazing work that really matters in mm -hmm. terms of keeping the operations going. Mm. Another thing that is a recent um, evolution for us is we've branched out into education. Now, we've always done a lot of free education. I'm there each week answering questions for an hour on Facebook for whoever wants to tune in and ask questions about bees. But we decided to put together an online course because there was a need for that. And the way we decided to do it was to make an impact product. So we made a 50% of profits for habitat regeneration and protection and for advocacy for the bees. Mm -hmm. So we rolled out that model a year ago and it's amazing. It's going really well. 
and there was a, a thread recently on Facebook, and you usually get shot down on Facebook, right? Yeah. But it went on and on for a while with everybody praising this online course. And there's beekeepers from all around the world that are contributing to it, experts, authors, scientists. To the course. To, to the beekeeping course. So Awesome. We decided to go beyond flow hives. It's not just about flow hives, it's about beekeeping in general. And we decided to go beyond beekeeping a bit and, and go right into scientific things about bees, about native bees. So although there's a lot of practical knowledge in there about beekeeping and your flow hive or conventional beekeeping, it's also a course that's made to take you from square one right through to a deep scientific knowledge of all things bees. And that's going, going really well. And we've already got a couple of hundred thousand to donate Wow. To good projects. So we've just supported beekeeping, bee-friendly farming, and we're bringing that project that's in the USA to Australia. So we're supporting that with 50 grand to kick that off the ground because that's money well spent. It'll turn into a whole program. Farmers will be changing their ways. They'll be putting in hedgerows. They'll be putting in forage for bees and limiting or eliminating pesticides and all of these have a huge ramification on not only the European honeybee but also all of the native species that are really the unsung heroes of our world. I love the fact that you've put together an, an online course. Other businesses should do this. It's another revenue stream. I don't know, your driver probably wasn't revenue at the time. It was like obviously getting a lot of questions and thought, hey, there's a, someone's got to put their hand up and educate. Uh, from the most basic to the most complicated areas of beekeeping. And so many businesses could do this. I'm interested to know how you put it together. Is it, did you use a program like Kajabi or some kind of online course software? Yeah, we did. We did use that. and You did use Kajabi? Put it together. Huh. So that hosts our videos and delivers them to the customers. It's basically a one-step, one-stop shop, isn't it, where you can upload videos, PDFs, worksheets, have yeah. a forum, you can have discussion... Yep, we're not using it for the discussion piece. Mm -hmm. you got Facebook for that. Yep, but we are using it to deliver the videos and take payments and was, so on. Was, was the idea, was it, was it about selling more flow hives? I know you said you go well beyond flow hives. Yep. Was it about selling more or has um, that just been a, a great outcome? So there's a few things here. One is what keeps us going is being able to make a positive impact in the world. And otherwise, you know, why don't we pack our bags and, you know, go flying, right? So to me, I love models that are a mutually beneficial model where, yes, you can do business, yes, you can make some profit, and you can also end up with an amazing resource to do positive impact in the world. So I'm always trying to think, how can we do this? And we've done it in the past with various different initiatives. So we thought, well, Let's go. And I mean, it's it's a win-win really because having that edge of doing good also keeps your customer attention. It also has um, great branding ramifications. Mm -hmm. It also means that there's all of these people that are perhaps doing an online course in beekeeping and in turn may become a Flowhive customer. It also means that we're educating people and not just selling them equipment mm -hmm. so it's it's a real win-win-win so on, many wins on, on how, so many how have you pulled together so because i think you mentioned you've got experts from all around the world contributing sometimes i think people business owners think oh, if i was to create a course or if i start a podcast or a youtube channel it's going to be all me 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 whereas it's amazing how many people will want to contribute if your intentions are good. So you just called upon people from all over the place, right, and asked them to yeah. what, put a video together and send it to you? or I, I think that certainly helps. I mean, we called it the beekeeper.org, so it's not branded as Flow. Mm -hmm. That was for a reason, because we wanted it to be a sidestep. or One step removed. Yeah, because mm -hmm. we wanted it to be more inclusive in the beekeeping world. And certainly Flowhive has been... I guess a bit of a separation in a way. It's like often people love Flow Hive or they don't mm -hmm. and they're sick of people telling them about it and they're happy the way they harvest their honey, right? Mm -hmm. So we thought it would be better to um, be more inclusive, have um, conventional beekeepers on there teaching people conventional beekeeping as well mm -hmm. because I think that it's valid for everybody to try whatever type of beekeeping they want to. 
when we're looking after the bees in the best way that suits us, that we have a good time beekeeping. And it's an important thing to make sure people are looking after our bees of the world and becoming, if you like, uh, another node or another advocate mm. for these species that definitely need our attention. How much is the course, Cedar? So it's about 23 a month. So it's a membership-based model? It's, it's a membership-based model, and it actually will go on for two years. So while you can put down all your funds for a year at once, you can also just um, plod along, cancel any time, and you can also start with your membership at thebeekeeper.org with free membership. Then after a month, you've been delivered a lot of amazing videos, mm -hmm. and if you like what you see, you can then continue or not. How do you keep people engaged? It sounds like there's a lot of content there already, but are you constantly adding new content so people feel like it's being refreshed all the time? Is that We are. So critical? If, if you sign up now, you'll get delivered multiple um, high-quality training videos each mm -hmm. week and also videos from professors, from scientists, from advocates in the field, from conventional beekeepers, from Love beekeepers it. from digging their hives out of snow to people in, in the Australian uh, sweaty season. Just from a production point of view, because this is, I'd love many of my listeners to do something like this, but one of the major blockages is production. I know you've got a great yep. setup here at, yep. at Flow Hive HQ, yep. but when you're asking a professor over on the other side of the world or someone, a third mm. party to contribute, you just sort of throwing caution to the wind and say, hey, listen, record something on your iPhone and send it through? Or are you sending a crew over? Or how does that work? A bit of both. We weren't able to go over with the COVID mm, restrictions. So what we did was hire a crew, expensive as it is, and send them into New York or wherever it be wow. to do that interview on a rooftop somewhere. Mm. And we also will do Zoom interviews and record them and then our production team here will then add overlay images to what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. So it hasn't worked that well where we've just said go yeah. and record yourself, apart from the people who already produce video con yes. content. And we've got a couple of those out there so they can make content themselves, which is fantastic. And the beautiful thing is that people contributing, they get so much recognition because we have such a big audience. So that's another win that happens. So the people contributing are getting great benefits. If they've got a book, it helps them sell their book. If they've got a course, it helps them sell their course and, and so on. So you're not paying anyone to be on them, on the course? No. It's great. <laughs> so, um, yeah, people are contributing freely and it's turned into a wonderful thing. And just to wrap that course discussion up, so there's video. Are you transcribing the video, PDFs of the transcriptions, worksheets? Or what, what? We are doing that. There's little quizzes and things as well. So Fantastic. You, you can, for the people that like to learn in written material, there's written material. For the people that like to be assessed, there's the assessments there. But the real, the real kind of bulk of the learning is the, the video training mm. material. And if you've seen our stuff, it's definitely got that high quality edge. Yep. We've got the beautiful slow motion bees, the macro bees that, that, that my sister does, and she, she's an amazing, mm -hmm. passionate um, beekeeper. She's a videographer? Yeah. She basically, I remember talking about her in our last interview. She was in Sydney, and every now and then you'd have to call on her to quickly come up because the honey yeah, was starting yeah, to be made. Or... That's right, she was in Melbourne. So she's currently right. living at my place in a caravan. Right. But she was in Berlin for a couple of years. Yes, so that's we were right. continuing to work with her in Berlin and she had the hives on her balcony and would film harvesting on her balcony in Berlin and all H of that. How do you get the word out about the course? We've only just started advertising it on a bigger scale, I guess, where at first we were just relying on our own audience already, say, hey, what do you think? Would you like to try this course? It's free to try. And we get a whole bunch of people trying it and then get their feedback and we would tweak and change things a little bit. A lot of people wanted more sooner so we made that available. And then from there the hive purchases are a good one. Mm -hmm. So if you purchase a hive you'll get an email saying hey would you like to try the course? It's free to try. Mm -hmm. The other one is good old Facebook and Google yeah, advertising. Yeah. <laughs> so that's one we're experimenting with as well. Thank you. 
Hey, if my chat with Byron Bay hippie turned multi-millionaire entrepreneur Cedar Anderson of Flowhive is inspiring you to create some great marketing to grow that beautiful business of yours, then I'd suggest grabbing a copy of my book, The Boomerang Effect. It'll show you how being helpful in your marketing returns you more customers and makes you more money. And who doesn't want a bit of that? Grab a signed copy. <laughs> That'll depreciate it, I'm sorry. Over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Now, back to Cedar. Marketing-wise, you, you didn't say you've dropped off, but you know, you've know you got enough demand. Has that allowed you, being the inventor that you are, have you focused a little bit more on product development of recent times? And if so, what amazing new additions have you made to the Flowhive? It's been nice actually to get the time with the team doing their amazing work. It's freed up me to be able to do a little bit more dev time. So my father and I have been spending a couple of days a week now, which is you fantastic. You would love that, wouldn't you? It, it's amazing to be in the <laughs> workshop again. And What's that look like? What do you do? You sit around and toss around oh, crazy ideas or you've got a bunch of stuff that you've already written down from years of innovation? Well, the crazy ideas goes without saying. Of course, I can't help to spend a little bit of time going, oh, look, I can invent a new motor. Look, look here, it's going to be better for my paraglider and, and it's going to be lighter. And Dad's like, see that? We're here to talk about the bees. <laughs> no, he's worse than me. Oh, is he? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, all right, we, we're going to get onto this design. Yeah. And uh, we, we do have some things. We're not ready to, to quite burst the bubble, but it's mm -hmm. focused on just making beekeeping a bit easier, solving some more problems for our customers. So we'll have some releases coming out this year, which will be great. It'll be just really additions to what we already have. We don't have a, a, a major transition to something new. Right. It's um, sticking with what we've got and adding to it. So that's a, a neat thing. Uh, are the ideas, well, you don't need to tell us what, what they are, but I'm interested, are they around the actual flow hive itself or have you considered maybe brand extensions? I mean, we're sitting in your beekeeping suit closet right now, surrounded by bee suit, beekeeping suits. Are you going to, is branded merchandise something you would consider or, you know, what, what else? Is it, is it, or is it just about the product? You know, crazy as it seems, one of the positions we're hiring for is a product manager. We haven't even got swag together yet. We've had a, a little fundraiser one we did and some hats and things, but yeah. we don't really have swag available for people, which is mad, really. I mean, part of it's because we don't just want to do what everyone does and get cheap swag and mm. flog it off. For us, it has to be organic cotton. It has to be fair trade if we're not making a Well, you know what your Patagonia mate would say? Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Like you're just creating landfill. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, But I imagine, too, you have a loyal bunch of customers who would dearly love to wear a flow hive yeah. T-shirt or apron uh, or cap, I don't know, whatever, whatever they'd And, you know, into. by supporting people that are, are using organic cotton, for instance, yeah. as chalk and cheese, one is supporting an environment that bees and insects and yes. all those pollinators can inhabit and live. And another one is actively creating a desert, an area where they can't live. Can't in live. fact, it's poisonous for them to live mm -hmm. in. So one against the other is amazing when on a daily choice, whether if you're choosing organic cotton or organic food mm. over the other, one is actively supporting a, a way to do it, mm. which is beneficial, and the other one is the opposite. Mm. It's, it's quite interesting when you really think about it. So for us, it has to be. So you've got a little bit of both. You've got product development, but you've also, it sounds like some brand extension stuff that may appear in the future. Yeah, so one of our products coming up can be used across conventional hives as well as flow hives. So that'll be neat in terms of offering something, I guess, to the wider beekeeping mm -hmm. community as well. Mm, nice. How do you stay outside of escalated complaints going straight to you? How do you keep across what the market's thinking and where the market's going? So the, the sentiment out there on Facebook is the main one. Yeah. And my team tell me, basically. I actually spend very little time on Facebook. You're not on social media Instagram. at all, are you, as... as Hardly. I'll jump on there if there's something I need to look at. We had an exciting time going back four months ago where our videos were getting amazing traction. I'm talking 50 million views for a video we'll put out, and 30 what? million views for another one, and 20 million views for another one. In what period of time? It was all happening over a, a couple of months. And oh, 
it would hit 50 million views. Uh, it'd be it'd be at 20 million views after the weekend, and it would scale out to 50 over that week, and then calm down why? from there. How? It's quite interesting why, and it seemed to be things would be feeding off each other. So you get on one little roll, and you post something else, and it would get traction too, and you post something else, and it would get traction too. I guess the powers to be in the in the, in the Facebook data is going. This is hot. This is hot. Bump it up. We'll dish it out to yep. all of those thumb scrollers, right? Yep. For instance, one was a honey waterfall video where the honey was harvested into the jars. You might remember that video. Mm, and it cascades from one jar into the next. Beautiful. And then it had basically a, a product advertisement with a spinning flow hive on a white background. 50 million views. It's like, huh? It, it was incredible amount of traction. And for whatever reason, that's died off now. But I guess it'll come back again. We've had that's points incredible. like that in time. As well. Do you make those videos with a sense of like, or, or go back a step, do you actually sit down with your team and go, let's make a viral video? Or are you just making videos that you think would be appealing, useful, helpful, commercial? That one actually did come from the point of view of, oh, look. That, that looks little, cool. That little video that my sister did of a bee reversing out of a hole. Yes. Uh, and it said, uh, beep, 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 caption this, <laughs> right? That's all it was. Yeah. Had 20 million views on it, and I was like, "Oh, how about we put a beautiful harvesting slash flow hive, honey-centric one, and see what happens?" So it did come from that perspective of testing and measuring. Hmm. And I mean, it was six months before that, really, where we had the likes of Chris Hemsworth, like uh, David Beckham, showing on their Insta their flow hives and setting up in the. In the COVID times. COVID times. Um, uh, I, I know Hemsworth is a neighbour of yours and he's local around here, so he, he's an easy get. Yep. How did Beckham end up on a Flow Hive video? Uh, just a, his own accord. So um, One morning you woke up and he's... Posting on Instagram, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and, of course, we made contact and said, Hi, How? how's it going? I oh, just on Instagram. Yeah. But I, I didn't... I wasn't speaking directly to... Mm. To, to Beckham necessarily, but yeah, it just came out of the blue. Can you quantify, Cedar, the commercial benefit of a viral video that gets 20 or 50 million views or a video that Chris Hemsworth in, uh, voluntarily yep. posts? Yeah. Ones like Chris Hemsworth, for instance, they definitely create a, a blip over five days or so of increased activity, increased sales. And those, those videos scale out to millions of views on, on their page. Mm. As opposed to the viral ones that take off to the 50 million level on our own Facebook page, really surprising, but the effect is almost negligible. Mm. You wouldn't expect that. You'd think, surely, right? Mm. Even though you dig into the data and the, there's a good 40% of them are from our primary markets it's still, you'd expect sales to triple. Yeah, well, if you go right? just on numbers, you know, like you know, 50 million, okay, if we get 1% of sales yeah. off 50 million, then, yeah. you know, we're off to the races. But clearly that's you, not happening. You'd think so. You'd think so. But um, no, sir, and I guess, you know, there's a few ways to view that. And one is it, it's a lot of people's first brand contact. And often it's a three-month journey. It's a, yes. a longer journey for people to decide to have a hive, to take up beekeeping. You are looking after, you know, potentially 50,000 stinging insects. There's a bit of a journey to say, can I have one? Mm. And perhaps um, it's hitting a groove on some of those thumb-scrolling kind of... I, I think what it is, is, and I find this with podcasting, giving a presentation next week, actually, on the power of podcasting in business. And one of the slides I've got is, you know, like, podcasting is awesome for brand awareness. Yeah. It's not necessarily great for direct response. Yeah. And maybe the same with video. The videos here where you are putting Flowhive on the shopping list, which may or may not be ready to be actioned, but, you know, a year's down the track, hey, that person buys, but you would never be able to sort of track that or quantify that because it's, the time has passed. Yeah, certainly um, attribution's a hard one in terms yeah. of advertising or first viral contact through to sales. Mm. So you are flying by the seat of your pants a little bit there. But a bit like you did on the way in today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Literally by the Literally. seat of my pants. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Yeah. Do you love it? 
Oh it's, oh, it's fantastic. I certainly do pinch myself and I'm so grateful to be able to stay in this amazing location where mm. real estate's now just gone bonkers. It's really so unfair. I hate that that's happened. It's creating this divide between yeah. people that have land and don't, you know, shouldn't be allowed to happen in terms of what's going on. But nevertheless, uh, I'm still grateful that we were able to stay on the property. We invented the Flow Hive. Mm. Happens to be in an expensive neighbourhood now. You're renting this, that. leasing this amazing home, aren't you? Or have you bought it since I was last year? No, this one, we, we, it is a rental. Yeah. And um, it's know, amazing. I don't what know if we, we could afford it now. It's an old, is it a Queenslander? What is it? It's a, it's a lovely old home perched on a hill overlooking the ocean. You know, when we and went to rent it, right? It started off with an office in Bangalore, which mm. is, you know, 10, 15 minutes away from Across here. Across the highway, wrong side of the road. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and uh, we sort of outgrew it pretty quick. It was a small suburban block. Yeah. And so we knew we wanted to get a little bit more rural so we could have the, the beehives and so on. And my dad said, oh, we, we went to visit a place. I think you could take off from there with your paraglider. And I went, yep, let's take it. <laughs> Criteria for headquarters, <laughs> can I take off on my paraglider? Yeah. Oh, I love it. But the amazing thing is it's <laughs> it's also become a spectacular background for a lot of our videos where you've got the, yeah. the distant farmland and the ocean behind and the clouds and the sky. So there's this real depth to a lot of our, our productions, which... Um, people love as well and of course the bees are a lot more productive when they've got a million dollar view as well they're quite happy with it are they you've yeah, spoken yeah, to a couple yeah, and they've said yeah, they said yeah we like it good. we're not moving that's right <laughs> so yeah i don't know where you go from here but anyway where can people buy flow hive if you go to honeyflow.com or .com.au for australia or if you just go to the .com it'll point you in the or right just direction flow hive certainly you can and uh We've got all sorts of models available. We've got entry level through to the bells and whistles with brass knobs and adjustable mm, levels. Levels built in. Love it. Little pest management trays and things to make beekeeping easier. A bit of a spread there because we find our customers can be really from the demanding scale where they mm. want it A1 perfect, the very best you can get. And you've got the other end where, where people just simply want to um, harvest honey in this new way that we've invented. So we've got the entry level there as well. So it's a great story, mate. Thanks for giving us an update 18 months down the track and uh, I look forward to coming back in 18 months' time and seeing where we're at. Thank you very much for having me, Tim. Well, there you go, team. Byron Bay hippie. Flow Hive inventor, naturalist and all-round good guy, really, Cedar Anderson of honeyflow.com.au. That's his website where you can buy the Flow Hives, or at least check them out. A couple of fun facts about Cedar that I did share last time, but I think worth sharing again. His neighbours include Hollywood A-lister Chris Hemsworth, who, by the way, when I was at Cedar's office the other day, Chris bought 25 Flow Hives, <laughs> clearly going to beekeeping, acting's not paying the bills. Another fun fact about Cedar, when they came into money, he and his family came into money, his wife suggested they take a trip somewhere glamorous, so he chose Fraser Island, which for those of you who don't know Queensland's geography, it's about three hours up the road from where he lives. <laughs> Gotta love it. If you would like to see Cedar fly into this interview, you will see the video over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 541. But right now, here's what grabbed my attention from that chat with the eccentric Cedar. Attention grabber number one. I love his eccentricity. I just love it. There needs to be more of it. Business is too serious. We need characters in business. Cedar is one of them. You could be one of them as well. It's sort of like a personal branding hack. Do it. Attention grabber number two. I love Cedar's work-life balance. Like he's got it right. Work doesn't own him. I know he's got a lot of dough. I know he can fly around on a hang glider or whatever they are, paragliders. But still, we can all work harder at work-life balance. That kind of sounds weird. We can work harder. At, well, you know what I mean. We don't need to work harder. You're working hard enough. But just getting that balance right, I kind of like it. Someone said, oh, it's work-life blend. I don't know. I need balance. The world's gone crazy. Attention grabber number three. 
I love cedars considered nature. Don't know whether you picked it up in the interview, but I would ask him a question and there'd be a beautiful pause before he answered. He didn't jump down the mic. He wasn't trying to impress. He's considered, and I like that in a person. That's what grabbed my attention. I'd love to know what grabbed yours. Hit pause and tell me by calling the Small Business Big Marketing Hotline on 0480-015-150. That's 0480-015-150. Just like Emma Rhodes did. Timbo, you legend. It's Emma Rhodes here from Her Corporate Journey. And I wanted to say thank you so much for interviewing Pippa Hallis, the CEO of Ella Bashay. Now, I have an online membership community for corporate women in management, and your interview brought Pippa to my attention. And the moment she talked about confidence and she shared her experience of interviewing other high-profile women, I knew I had to reach out to her and ask her to speak to the women in my community. Now, as a result of your podcast, I've connected with Pippa on LinkedIn, and I hope to have the opportunity to interview her this year so she can share some inspiration and advice for the hundreds of women in my community all going through their own corporate management journey. So, Timbo, thank you. You're awesome. See ya. Oh, Emma, you're awesome. Thank you so much. What a great energy you have in your voice. I love it when my listeners like you reach out to guests, say, hey, loved hearing you on the podcast. Can you help me? Can you speak to my team? Can you give me some advice? People are good people. I like that. And generally, my guests are good people. So well done, Emma, for you. I hope um, that Pippa reaches out and does respond and um, you get a little bit more value. But thank you, Emma, so much for listening. I think you are awesome. Next episode, we check in on another past guest in Snotty Noses founder. Yes, there is a business called Snotty Noses and it sells the battery-powered snot sucker. Trust me. Uh, The founder of that business is Laura Klein and she's been kicking goals since we last spoke to her about 100 episodes ago. One particularly big goal she's kicked is manufacturing her own battery-powered snot sucker these days as opposed to simply licensing someone else's. And she's going to share that journey and plenty more next time around. She's really smashing it. I love catching up with past guests and seeing how they're going. Hey, be sure to grab a copy of my book, The Boomerang Effect. You really will benefit from it. I love writing it for you, so I'd sort of love you to read it. You can find it over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. If you've got something to tell me, like Emma Rhodes did, call the hotline. Leave me a message. I'll play it on air. You'll get some free exposure. That's got to be good. 4 80 or if you're not in Australia, call plus 61 480 You get it. If you're loving the Small Business Big Marketing Podcast, you'll find another 540 episodes on the Listener app. That's L-I-S-T-N-R. As has been the case for the past 12 years, this podcast has been presented and hosted by me, Timbo Reed, and tirelessly stitched together by my bearded producer in David Zlowenski. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning in. May your marketing be the absolute best marketing. Bye for now. Listener.